Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 304. It is an honor to have you here with us in this celebration of the very best genre out there. If you are new to us, welcome. We do this every week, usually multiple times a week. If you like what you're hearing, it helps so much if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to watch the video version of our show, that's also something you can do via Bloody Disgusting TV. That's available on Roku, Sling, Vizio, Smartcast, and more. You can check out the on-screen programming guide for showtimes and schedule. This time around, you are hanging out with two amazing actors. Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan, stars of a terrific new film called Fresh. The time of release, brand new streaming exclusively across Disney streaming platforms as an original film on Hulu in the U.S. Hear about the extraordinary vision of director Mimi Cave and how she wove the ultimate cinematic magic trick. We talk about the challenges of adjusting performances to the tapestry of different tones and secrets this film reveals, the dancing, the food, and so much more. Episode 304 with Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan is now playing. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two absolutely spellbinding actors who have done such exceptional work putting us through incredibly impactful stories, boldly vanishing into the greatest characters ever created. In an unprecedented journey, she went from the National Youth Theater in London to a role in the BAFTA-winning series Cold Feet when she was just 17. Her talent awarded her breakout star in bringing to life Marianne in one of the most anticipated shows of the past decade. The multi-Emmy-nominated 17-time award-winning hit Normal People and Howard Overman's War of the World series for epics. She has graced the internationally celebrated stage at the Almeida Theater, created a legacy of work, been recognized by the Critics' Choice to the Golden Globes, and was named by by Vogue magazine as one of the world's most influential women, all in the span of only six short years since completing her studies. You need to look only at her stunningly moving performances to know exactly why. Also here with us, from his first scenes in the six-time Emmy-winning Law & Order, you knew there was something special about this guy, and so evidently did the greatest filmmakers and franchises of our generation. Visionaries including Karin Kusama, Jonathan Demme, Ridley Scott, Rennie Harlan, and Darren Aronofsky are just some of the worlds he's played in. A terrific variety as well, from CW's classic Gossip Girl to the role of the Mad Hatter in ABC's Once Upon a Time and the seven-time Oscar-nominated The Martian. He brings levity and charm to devils and villains, superheroes to rock stars, as seen most recently in Hulu's fantastic Pam and Tommy, and making every kid's dreams come to life as an Avenger in the MCU. It is what they both bring to the screen that is the very reason that we love movies so much. The outstanding film that brings him here to speak with us today is such a marvelous example of truly casting a spell over an audience and we guarantee you if you go in as cold as possible you will get that rush of being inside of a magic trick it is called fresh streaming exclusively across disney platforms as an original film on hulu here in the u.s we are deeply honored to welcome its stars daisy edgar jones and sebastian stan thank you for that magnificent uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) 
Was <laughs> it as uncomfortable as fresh? You guys killed it, man. And thank you again so yeah. much uh, for doing what you do. And before we dive into fresh, so horror thrillers and the unnerving are that's our jam here at Bloody Disgusting. And we would love to hear from the both of you about the first time that you recall being impacted by a film in the horror genre. As an audience member yourself, we will start with Daisy. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, I think. In terms of the horror genre, well, I don't know if you could class it as this, but it's definitely a dark comedy. But there's a film called Sightseers. I don't know if you know it. It's a Ben Wheatley film about a, an old couple, sort of a middle-aged couple who go on a caravanning tour that turns very gruesome. And it's absolutely brilliant if you haven't seen it. But that, for me, was probably the first time I, I watched um, a genre film like that and just like fell in love with it. Well, I mean, you know, The Shining really comes to mind obviously um the exorcist was was pretty bad when i was younger and then um i think scream really really took it home yeah definitely a lot of people bring scream up as a very incredibly impactful yeah you wearing a scream shirt you look down yeah yeah yeah. there we go there's ghost face so what do you think it is uh that makes storytelling through the lens of horror and thrillers so powerful well i feel like you're, you can tackle subjects um, in a way that's sort of entertaining. And so that, that like, I think that, yeah, genre films like that, you, you know, you can watch them and, and enjoy them, but the, you can also sort of find deeper things within them that, but ultimately like enjoy the experience of watching them without being challenged too much, if you know what I mean. But I also think, I think we like, oh, we like to escape and then it's sort of the most extreme version of that really, because you're entering into worlds that you'd hopefully, you know, won't in your own life. Yeah. I think it's the most exciting yet difficult genre of all of them. It's always interesting because it kind of has to, I feel like every time has to be reinvented in another way. And it's not easy, but then when it works, you know, you've got these movies, Hereditary is another one that comes to uh, my mind that, that it just, it, it really, uh, The Conjuring, right? Like there's it, it sort of, it, it really brings out a lot of great filmmakers and, and when it's done right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's just that, that idea of being on the edge of your seat, the idea of kind of keeping your attention, keeping the suspense. Um, it just, it's just the most exciting genre in that department. Totally with you there. So moving to fresh now here we have, I'm sure you've heard this a lot, right? Our, our newest Disney princess and, and Prince Noah and Steve. <laughs> we were joking off the top that we want to see Noah in her pink dress uh, doing photo ops at uh, California adventure. And they, you people can eat at Steve's chop house. <laughs> next to <the> ride. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, there's Disney there's Disney references even in the script. I was wondering, are the Disney, any references were they added in after the Fox Searchlight connection or I'm surprised they weren't like having to take out or anything was there any tempering that you guys know of, of that those sequences I don't think so they were there from the beginning right I, I mean yeah yeah I feel like Disney was actually a bit of improvisation I feel like that that was found on the day um and so yeah it was there it was it was that one yeah it was a bit genius stroke of genius from Jojo and I got to say the script like fresh begins at its core with this razor sharp story by Lauren Kahn, who has a background steeped in many things, but especially comedy films. And she's built in so many metaphors and meditations in a very ingenious way throughout this script. What are the connections that you have with the script, Daisy, when you first read it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's something I loved. I loved the comedy aspect of it. I love that, like, the tone that she strikes, I think, is so brilliant. And, you know, that dark comedy is something, it's, it's my favorite type of genre, I guess, to, to watch. So I, I loved it. And I think it was really clever because it, you know, it had something to say, but it wasn't going to hit you over the head with it. It's not kind of like forcing that message. You know, I, I feel like it, it's really um, subtle in the way she sort of weaves it throughout the script and you can sort of watch it and enjoy it for just a, a brilliant, fun film, or you can watch it and take something deeper. So, yeah, I love I loved the script and I loved I loved where it took us. I I, I read it not knowing where it was going to go, so it was it was quite the journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the best. And we saw the film without even seeing the trailer, so everything was a complete surprise to us. And you you know how the film reveals itself. Like I said, it's like a magic trick. And Sebastian, what was your perspective on on the script? Um, I think similarly to what Daisy said, it just it, it I found it really refreshing that um, the, the way it started and the way that it felt so relatable and, and kind of conversational and, and real in a lot of ways, the, the, the mere chance coincidence, be it coincidence, be it not of running into somebody when you least expect it. And then sort of, there's a connection there and kind of where does it go? Where does he build? I, I, I felt like I was in for the ride from, from the beginning. And then, and then I didn't quite, anticipate kept kind of turning a certain way that I didn't really see it. And it has these moments of humor in it, which of course um, add different layers, I think to the characters because uh, it balances out some of the horror in a, in a very clever way. The boo crew will be right back somewhere between science and superstition. There is another world, a world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. The one hope. The only hope. The Exorcist. Warner Brothers presents William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin. The Exorcist, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Dan, your character is quite the charmer and oozes so much confidence with not only women, but with his overall meal plan distribution uh, meal plan. (laughs) How did you prepare for this role? Did you study the personalities and stories of uh, serial killers like Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy? I, I did. Um, I, uh, I actually watched every single documentary and, um, favorite sort of serial killer horror film, thriller film from the nineties. I could, that was one way the the pandemic kind of helped because we were sort of, you know, kind of isolated. And in a way, the, the quarantine, when we got to Canada, we had to get through those, these two weeks. And all I did was watch uh, anything I could find on YouTube, uh, interviews and, and any serial killers from the last three, four decades. Um, and just started piecing kind of a puzzle together of uh, who Steve is or could be. 
And it is very hard to believe that this is the debut feature length film from the director, Mimi Cave. And she brings such a focused polarity and brilliant misdirection to pull this two hour long emotional sleight of hand off. Daisy, what did you find the things that made uh, Mimi unique as a director? Well, yeah, I mean, I think she's just she's so like stylish in her filmmaking and she has such a kind of um, grasp of camera and, 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 you know, I think she really thinks outside the box. Like I, I remember her talking me through her design for it's hard to talk about without giving too much away, but there's a seat where there's an operation taking place. And she was like, I want to put mirrors all up, all up the side of the room. So at any point, Noah doesn't know where Steve is. She can just see him bits of him reflected throughout the room. And I was like, I love that. It just kind of elevates a really kind of fun script to something, you know, even cooler. So I, I just think, yeah, visually she's brilliant. And, and also, you know, she's, she has real funny bones. And like, I think, you know, a lot of the time she allowed us to be free and, and um, improvise. And, and, you know, I can imagine that that can be a bit scary sometimes, you know, cause we don't have a lot of time in the day often to do scenes to allow two actors to go, yeah, well, let's just try this, you know, and she really uh, gave us the sort of floor and la- uh, let us do that. And you don't always get that. So I just thought, yeah, she's very special. Everything about the mechanics of, of how this whole thing is shot, as you said, it's very unconventional and it gets inside of our head, the title sequence and where it sits in the film. One thing that is, that's got to be our favorite of all time. Maybe even casting a world record. I'm not sure. And the way that she uses the camera in your guys's face is very intimate. We feel like we're right there with you. And then she'll mix that with an unconventional conversation shot. There's one in the bar where you're both sitting at a booth before some somewhere before the first kiss. And it looks like you guys for the shot, it looks like you guys are opposite each other. But actually, you're sitting right beside each other. It's very unsettling and just very, very cool. Was the overall vision of everything that she was doing communicated to you throughout the process? Did you have any really foresight of what she was going for in her final approach or did you just kind of roll with it? What was that communicated like to you during the process? Well, yeah, we well, we had uh, we had about two months before we started, which was kind of unheard of uh, to have that amount of time. But I think we had a couple of Zooms where we were kind of rehearsing and going over the scenes and then um they i mean yeah daisy and i would would also continue rehearsing as we were going and 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 mimi would talk about sort of the storyboards and stuff but but i i felt i felt for the most part she was so prepared and at the same time remained very flexible to what we were going to do on the day and and if we had ideas that we wanted to explore and she would adjust to that one of the things I loved so much about this film was the dancing. It was incredible. Talk about choreographing those scenes. Yeah, that was fun. That was like our first, I mean, we we went into rehearsals mainly to, to talk through scenes and ended up actually just dancing for the majority of them, <laughs> didn't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it was the dancing was always, that was one thing that when I had read it kind of really pulled me in about it because I, I have a soft spot for the eighties. And, um, I just thought it, it, I thought those private moments as funny or whatever, there were real like insight into who this guy was because when he was by himself, how he was sort of experiencing those songs was, was kind of interesting to me. And it was an opportunity to show this other side, I guess, to, to that character. And, and, but it didn't spell anything out. It wasn't, 
trying to explain too much at, at you. And, and I like that, but Mimi has background in dance and choreography and she had, you know, she had a really good specific take on, on us moving a certain way. And I think it's really effective, especially at the end of the film. And the chemistry and tennis match between Noah and Steve is, I mean, it's a roller coaster ride. And the first time we see you at this awesome grocery store scene that you guys do together, was that the first scene that you remember shooting or what was the first scene that you did? That you actually shot together, if you remember. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was just, uh, it was intimate. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was like nice to meet you. Yeah, it was like the first date scene. Like it was like, Right when, you know, at Noah's apartment and it was just like right in there and, you know, COVID, we don't have it, you know. It was yeah. Like- oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, it, it, well, go, going off of that and, and the chemistry that you do play uh, against each other here, the emotions are so extreme. There isn't one scene where I don't think someone isn't playing it while holding a massive secret. One, one, or, the, one or the both of you. How did you face the challenge of adjusting to the, all these tonal shifts throughout this piece that your characters go through together? Yeah, I mean, that's so that's so true. It does feel like the cat, like, because they're, you know, the characters do seem to always be slightly withholding something from each other. And like, I mean, there's a whole portion of the film where, like, I, I think it's cool to not know what, like, Steve or Noah are thinking. And I think you do, like, either of them, you're, you're, you're second guessing, you know, them. And I mean, that, that was a real fun, like, challenge. I mean, I think, I think it was sort of just taking, as long as we were finding the truth in every scene, I think that was that was the best way to to come at it, really. Like I think whatever we were doing, no matter how kind of surreal and and kind of larger than life, it was trying to root that always in some form of truth and like finding the genuine nature of everything, so that you earned those moments of kind of crazy levity. Um, so that was really that like navigating it that way was was kind of the trick for me, really. Sebastian, how about you, man? Well. It's just for us to kind of always remember that at its core, it's a, it was a relationship movie. And, and again, it just, even just keeping it grounded from that perspective and remembering that it, it is a, it is a genuine connection that happens at the beginning of the film, which is why it is so effective. And, and, and it had to be because, because again, for me, one of the reasons I want to work, I wanted to do this movie was, was cause I wanted to work with, with Daisy and, and I, and I'd been a fan of hers and I'd seen the, I'd, I'd seen her and, and I knew that once she came on, I just knew that Noah was going to be intelligent. And, and, and like, I knew she would, she would be intelligent. She would be aware. She, she might, you know, have gone through certain journeys with, with the dating thing. And maybe she was sort of uh, fed up with it and, and therefore a little bit less on her guard about certain things. Okay. But instinctively she, I think, you know, there's an, there's inherent wisdom, wisdom to, to Daisy that I feel, you know, grounds everything and, 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 and was essential to this movie and to Noah. And then therefore, a lot of what Steve kind of comes across with at the beginning has to be genuine. And which is also what surprises him. Right. Because if it isn't, then, then I just, I would never have believed that, that Noah would have gone for it. So there is a real connection there that happens that, that, that again, continues through the movie. Um, and, and it's really, 
that connection that that in a weird way both characters figure out how to use to their own advantage if that makes sense yeah for sure yeah weaponizes it yeah same same for us too it is genuine and that's what's tricky about it because even though it's terrible things are happening and i think there's something uh truthful to that in life you know that sometimes people are flawed and there can still be a genuine connection which is what keeps us sort of in these things sometimes so yeah, the food you were both eating in the third act dinner scene looks so delectable. I'd love to know what you were both eating. Were they dishes prepared by famous chefs, perhaps? Is there a fun story about the food? <laughs> there is. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the kind of film where, you know, you go, I'll just have a little, a couple of peas. And then, you know, like it just needed to, it was meatballs and um, pate wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then some chicken, chicken things wrapped in noodles to make lands. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Was it hard to eat it? Just thinking about what you knew you thought you were eating? Well, it's funny. It's always so gross anyway when you like I, one of my favorite pastimes is to watch actors not eat food in scenes. And then they kind of go and then they'll, and then they'll have their line of dialogue. I love that. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely, if you have to eat anything that many times, it's pretty grim, but then also imagining it to be what it was. Like I was lucky because I was playing someone who was a bit grossed out where Sebastian had to. Re- <laughs> I had to look like it was the first and the last meal of my life. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't eat all day if I knew we were eating on set. But then there was also like, I think at one point we got that food. Is there such thing as like a food giddiness or something? I mean, like, I think we had eaten so much pate that at one point we were just like, ha. Ah. <laughs> like, it could have been like food coma, honestly. <laughs> Love it, you guys. All right, we're getting the rap signal. Thank you again so much. That's our time. And this is our new favorite film. And thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. So cool. Hope to do it again soon. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 304. Special thanks to our guests, Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan. At time of release, see their new film, Fresh, exclusively across Disney streaming platforms as an original film on Hulu in the U.S. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trub for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.